Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. This is our monthly Faith in Life feature, and this month we are interviewing Pastor John Preminsky of Restore Church in Ionia, Michigan. Hope you enjoy the interview. Here it is. Pastor John, thanks for joining us today. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your church and why you are pro-life? Ah, um, well, uh, we are a, uh, uh, a Bible-believing church, and if the Bible does anything, um, it, it, it affirms life. Uh, I don't know how you can read your Bible and not see how pro-life God is, and, uh, and Jesus came to give us life. And so I, I struggle um, with you know, the, you know, the fact that people are reading the same Bible that I'm reading and, uh, and aren't pro-life. I don't know how you arrive there. And so uh, from the get-go, uh, Restored Church in Ionia um, was meant to be staunchly uh, uh, not only pro-life, but uh, you know, biblically based. And I, I tell people that are visiting our church for the first time, if we do something that um, is extra biblical or not biblical, you'll see it once, but you're probably not going to see it twice. And so um, our roots are very much based in the Word of God, and uh, and so we're we're adhering to that. And I can't think of anything you know more biblically sound than a pro-life stance. So Sanctity of Human Life Sunday was on Sunday, January seventeen. And uh, we know some churches might have missed it, so we're you know encouraging them. If, if you miss Sanctity Human Life Sunday because of uh, pandemic restrictions or uh, you were concerned after the election um, and all the inauguration and all that mess, uh, to just consider having a second uh, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday as a makeup date on February 14th. Uh, you can go to our website. We have an article on that, uh, rtl.org. But uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience on uh, the actual Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. We, um, uh, you know, plugged, you know, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. I preached a Sanctity of Life message, um, and uh, Right to Life was great. They had uh, wonderful bulletin inserts, and we ordered a bunch of those, and we put those in. And uh, we have a gal in our congregation that had an abortion when she was 16 and um, we had her give her testimony in fact she was on vacation in florida and i said um, can you send a video and uh, it was powerful and we ministered to um, people that may have had similar um, experiences at the end of the service it's how we kind of wrapped it up so it was a powerful powerful service and i had many people uh, come up to me and thank me for taking such a strong, you know, pro-life, pro-life stance. So uh, I understand you have a really wide background of denominations. You grew up uh, in a Catholic church. Uh, you've attended Assembly of God Church. Your current church, uh, Restored Church, is a non-denominational church. So you've seen kind of every denomination at work. Uh, would you think it'd be fair to say that abortion is one of those rare issues that all denominations can and generally do uh, find speaking with uh, one unified voice to be easy? 
Man, Chris, great question. Until I started talking to Mike, my uh, good friend Mike Cook, who uh, works for Right to Life, I would have thought APSA stinking lootly, you know. Um, but uh, what I've come to find is that it's not so united. Um, and things that, you know, geez, 10, 15, 20 years ago, we wouldn't have blinked at. I have found the church to waver on, and uh, it's sad, and um, it's, it's discouraging. Um, and so I, uh, I, I would love to believe that um, and at any given ministerial association meeting in any given city, um, that the churches would be would be united on this front, but I'm not so certain as I as I used to be that that's the case. When I started our church uh, 24 years ago, I would have said, you know, sure, oh my gosh, I don't even have to talk to these guys. I know we're in agreement. I don't think I can say that. I don't think I can say that today um, with the same confidence that I could um, when we began. So. So has something changed? Do you think something is is changed to make that so uh, difficult? I would say that I my my responsibility as a pastor is to is to minister God's word, um, not my opinions, um, not my not my views, not my not my heart or. Or, you know, my concerns. I think we as preachers, we get in trouble when we begin to do that and we begin to deviate from our core responsibility, and that is to, to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I think what has happened now, I think you have a couple things happening. I think you have uh, enormous pressure from culture and community, and you have pastors that are very fearful. Um, and I think you have to make up your mind whether you're really, really called to be a pastor today and to preach the good news or whether you see it like a popularity contest. Um, and uh, it can be fearful if you are pastoring a church that, you know, votes on you, you know, you, you get a vote of confidence, you know, um, and uh and it's not always so, uh, you know, so much a, a confidence boost for those pastors. But I think enormous pressure from our culture, the day and age that we live in, and I think it's a fearful thing. I, more and more I'm hearing about pastors that find it difficult to preach on certain things from the pulpit. What a sad day. Um, and I think that's only going to increase. What do you think it is that is uh, driving these fears of pastors to speak out? Um, Pastors are people too, so you know, fear of rejection, uh, fear of failure. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know of anyone that's been in the ministry for any length of time that hasn't had to deal with, with, with fears on, on numerous. You know, are you know, are the are the finances going to come in? You know, if I if I don't remain in the ministry, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my family? Um, you know, if I preach this, the congregants might not approve of this, might not like this, they might leave the church. You can't get up in a pulpit and do what God's asked you to do if you're fearful that in any given Sunday you preach a message that would turn people away. And so all of a sudden you begin fighting off what God by his spirit is asking you to preach in and on 
and you begin to, oh, I'm going to dumb this down a little bit, or I'm going to candy coat this a little bit, a message like that wouldn't go over real well. And I just, I don't think I could do ministry like that. I, 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 I don't know if I would be faithful to the call. You know, Paul said God counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. And I got to believe that faithfulness was a faithfulness to, to him. And whether you're full gospel or not, God is still speaking, and that's where you're getting your messages from. And, uh, and so I would do what, you know, God tells you to do. If he called you, then I believe we're responsible to be obedient to him. So, Have you had any examples in your church where you've talked about a controversial issue and had just a ton of pushback? This is being edited, right? Um, oh, my gosh. Um, you're kidding me. So uh, same-sex marriage. Um um, you know what's been coming up more recently uh, is uh, the the whole topic of marijuana um, use. I was driving here and I saw a sign. There's literally a a a, 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 a cannabis uh, um, company called Church, and uh, I'm I'm are you kidding me? And man, I got I got a, it caught my attention. You know, and uh, what is it? What is their what is their tagline? If I get this wrong, you know, forgive me. Um, but, uh, you know, um, something by fire or, uh, you know, I'm thinking, sure, absolutely. So this stuff is, is, is coming up. So, it, 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 hey, it's legal. Um, hey. Um, so, uh, you know, what do you do? Do you, do you, do you preach, um, you know, that which is in line with your culture? Um, do you preach that which is favorable or, or do you preach the word of God? And uh, I, I don't think I, uh, that God called us to Ionia to, to ag- agree with culture. I think he called us there to be change agents, um, and, and that is not easy. It's not, it's not. And I'm finding more and more and more, especially today more than ever, that ministry is not a popularity contest. And if you're looking for acceptance and you struggle with rejection, it can be tough the, the average pastor leaves the church because of four to six people and last i knew there were over a thousand i think over 1500 ministers leaving a month the ministry and so it's very it's discouraging out there for pastors i get it and if you're worried about what people are going to think about you or about what this city's going to say about you or you know i i get it i i totally get it but you're either called to do this, and if God calls you, he'll enable you. Um, and sooner or later, you have to settle that in your heart, and you got to get up in the pulpit. i got to sleep at night, and I don't know how guys sleep if they're afraid to preach things. What a stressful, yeah, I don't know if I can do it. About this fear of pastors, what are people who sitting in the seats, you know, in the congregation, listening to the pastor up on the stage uh, not understand about the role of the pastor? They don't understand the, 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 the struggles within a pastor. Um, we should be wrestling things out with the Lord. We shouldn't be wrestling things uh, out concerning what people might think about us. Or um, if I preach this message, I just met with a couple that were struggling with it. I hope they don't think I'm preaching this be, because of them. I'll get up in the pulpit and I'll say, if you thought that... If you think that I prepared this message um, because of you, yep, 
I knew you were going to be here. I prepared this message exactly for you. And let's just eliminate, you know, any, uh, you know, big disclaimer, you know. So um, God's able to take a message and he's, and he's able to minister it to everybody in different levels and different ways, speak to everybody in different levels and different ways. And the pastor's greatest fear is to get up and declare that truth. And, uh, and truth can get real foggy if um, you're worried about what everybody thinks. And then, you know, you're pretty much giving a speech now, and you're not bringing forth anything with any kind of life. You're, you're wanting to keep the people happy, and you're running around putting out all these fires, and it's exhausting, and it's why pastors burn out. They, they you know, it began with this wonderful call, and you responded in obedience, and everybody was all in. And then opposition comes, and then everybody's got opinions, and um, and it, 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 it's tough. You you don't remember the ten wonderful things. You remember the the one negative thing that happens on a Sunday, and that's what you go home chewing on. And I remember when we began the church, I had a wonderful um, older Baptist minister, you know, back me up against the wall, put his finger in my chest, and he said, "I don't care how tough it gets on Monday." Um, um, how tough it is on Sunday. Come Monday, you promise me right now that you will not quit. I mean, finger in my chest. And uh, most of the guys, I'm feeling like they thought I was a competitor in town. This guy, he didn't want me to quit. And uh, and I never forgot that, and I haven't. And uh, so, um, yeah, world of fears. In your two-plus decades of experience in the church, have you noticed an increase in the amount of pushback, or is pushback just something that's always been there? I think there's always, you know, pushback um, from the culture. Uh, it, uh, but there always seemed to be at least a respect for clergy, you know, still is. Um, but, you know, the pushback's getting a little stronger now. And all of a sudden, there seems to be you know, this, this, this fence and we got to choose, you know, which side we're on. Are, are we pro-life? Are we pro-choice? Are, are we traditional marriage? Are we, you've got all these topics um, and scripture being our guide. I mean, my pastor used to hold his Bible up and say, this is the owner, owner's manual for our life, you know, and uh, scripture being our guide. Do we open our church doors in the midst of a pandemic? And, and most churches are running, what, 40% you know, the fears that, that pastors deal with. And when you do open your church doors, do you make masks mandatory? Um, so all of these all of these things, there's always going to be pushback. I had um, people that, um, you know, felt that I was insubordinate to the governor um, because I didn't make masks mandatory. I said, we encourage masks, but I'm not going to tell people they got to wear them to come to our church. Of course we encourage them. Um, who wouldn't encourage them? Um, so I, I, I always push back. I think the pushback's just getting a little bit, little bit louder these days. What's a good starting place for pastors or churches looking to really engage on pro-life issues? Uh, maybe they have been neglecting it, or they realize it's more important than they thought it was to address it directly. I would say that uh, a great place um, for the church to begin with would be an emphasis you know, weekend. Um, you know, you, uh, you know, cover the topic from, you know, the pulpit, um, pastors preach, a preach, a a, a good, healthy, strong pro-life, uh, message, cover it from the pulpit, have, have, have an emphasis, um, so that the church would know that every year we're going to, we're going to take a strong pro-life emphasis 
and they can begin to um, to give and to support, you know, right to life. You know, where uh, where does you know where does right to life's income stem from? Um, you know, why couldn't you um, begin to support them in some way? I wish I could say that we had always been a staunch financial supporter of right to life. Um, we we haven't. Um, we did this year, um, and we're going to every year. Um, and I'm finding that the Bible says to fight the good fight of faith, and I'm finding that you are going to have to choose sooner or later which fights you're going to fight. And um, and I think the right to life, uh, you know, organization. God bless them for all they do. Um, they have more of a battle than they've ever had uh, before. And the church should rally around them, get behind them. I think we are obligated to rally around. They're fighting on fronts that, you know, we don't have to, we're, you know, we're concerned about covering that topic a few times a year from a pulpit, and you guys are dealing with it all the time. So I think it's the least we can do. So I'd cover it from the pulpit. I'd uh, maybe even, you know, take an offering. Um, you know, you could, the number of different ways you could, you could do that, depending on where you're sitting as a church, but... From a positive perspective, you know, pastors who are concerned about talking about the issue of abortion, you know, there's a lot of other issues that the abortion touches on, areas of life, uh, marriage, you know, human sexuality. Um, you know, a pastor really can find ways to talk about all aspects of uh, life, can't they? Yeah, you can, you can, you know, I mean, geez, it, you could go back to the Old Testament and how um, life was so honored and it was it was so uh, it, it was so huge to the people that they wouldn't even eat meat with blood in it because you know blood represented life as I was studying uh, this in scripture I I found that scripture doesn't mention topics like abortion because abortion would have been the furthest thing from the mind of the people that lived in biblical times it wouldn't have, i mean when you know pharaoh killed all of the babies um it, it was abhorrent when you, you know when they would sacrifice you know their children to you know gods like Moloch, you know, it was it was it was it was awful. It was horrible. Barren women were praying to have children like Hannah, um, and we're so glad, you know, she did pray, you know, because she gave birth to Samuel, and he was pivotal between judges and kings in Scripture. And so life was so valued. And out of all the things that I was I've been thinking about recently, as I knew I was going to come and do this today, I thought about how how important family was um, to God. I mean, God instituted family before he ever did church one, you know, you know, Adam and Eve, Cain, Abel, Seth. And I also thought about how it's prophesied in scripture that in the last days, God would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. So family is very, very important. And if anything has been under fire, it's the nuclear family. Um, I uh, just saw today, I don't know if you're going to include this, but I uh, just saw today that Black Lives Matter is up for a Nobel Peace Prize, um, and one of its core beliefs is to destroy the nuclear family, um, which is just astounding to me that, you know, anyone would target, the who would target the nuclear family? 
Um, and so life is so precious to God, um, you know, so precious that he had his son give his life for ours. And if you think about it, you know, it's, it's only through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, which is the gospel in essence, that we have the life that we have as believers today. Um, we should value life because Jesus gave his for, for ours and uh, so everything about the gospel preaches life. Everything about, you know, the, you know, everything that God institutes has to do with life, from salvation to, f- to marriage to family. And so, so many topics that a pastor could, could cover. Um, I was amazed at some of the things I discovered when I was studying this, you know, like how it isn't mentioned because it wouldn't have been thought of. It, you know, it, it would have been so, so anti, you know, their thinking that it, why would you even think about that? Well, today you're thinking about it like crazy. You know, that got me thinking, and a little sidebar here is, uh, you know, life is, used to be so precious back then. You know, you think about Israelites wandering in the desert, uh, literally scraping their food off the ground, all their possessions with them, their herds. Um, life was so hard, and, and today, you know, life is still hard in a lot of ways, but uh life is is so e- much easier comparatively and so abundant that you know have, do we kind of devalue life these days because it's easier because you know life is not as precious as we once uh you know realized it was on a daily basis i think i think we've had it pretty fat and sassy in america and uh i i mean everything um they would pray you know, God bless our bread and water and remove sickness and disease from our from our midst. They would pray that. Um, they would speak that over over their meals. You know, we're we're so busy and on the go. It's hard enough for us to get our families together around a dinner table, let alone pray a blessing before we eat. Uh, everything about them, they were so grateful. Um, the the people. The, the land, their belief system, the land, everything was associated with God. They would ask God to forgive their sins and heal their land. The land, the agriculture was very, very important to the people back then. Back then, it, it sustained life. And so they, as they sowed their seeds, they were believing God for an increase. And so, it, yeah, I, uh, I think we've had it easy. Um, and Scripture says that judgment, when it does come from God, it's going to begin with the house of God. I remember hearing a, a, a pastor years ago uh, saying, um, what, 9-11, um, when the planes hit the towers, uh, was it 20, 20 years ago um, now, um, he was standing there watching it on television, and he said, God, is this, is this your judgment on America? And God said, no. If it was, those planes would have hit churches. Um, and so, I mean, kind of a startling thought that, um, the judgment of God will surely come one day, and you know, and it's not you know like we're to be necessarily preaching that from the pulpit all the time. I believe our God's a God of love. When it does come, I, I believe the churches are going to be the first to feel it and experience it. And I believe there is a pruning going on in the church today. So pastors today need to need to choose the battles that they're going to fight, um, and they need to boldly do so. And they can't worry about you know who's you know, going to be in agreement with them. I was told years ago that if you have to entertain them to get them, you're going to have to entertain them to keep them. And we're not entertainers. We're, we're ministers. We're, 
you know, we're preachers, and, um, and that's what we do. And we're not in an entertainment business. We're not performing for God. I'm not performing for God. I'm, I'm fulfilling what he's asked me to do. And I, I think just like a child that gets in a, in a performance mode with a father, I think some people get like that with God. How do I keep God a happy? Well, o- obedience, you know, um, please him in, in how you live your life. And so we need to, the, I think the core issue today is, is preaching in obedience to God, pastors living that out. Um, and, and, and being transparent about their struggles. You know, this is difficult for me to talk about this today, or this is hard for me, but, man, I couldn't get away from God, you know, compelling me to do so, and so, yeah, those are challenges. And uh, my last question is, uh, are you encouraged by anything in the future of the pro-life movement? I'm, I am encouraged by how people are more aware than ever before at how precious and how valuable life is. If, if COVID hasn't done it, then, you know, the, uh, the, the decisions of a, of a newly elected, you know, president um, surely will challenge um, these things. Um, I'm believing that um, pastors are, are going are gonna to be, you know, encouraged. Um, the thing that I've been praying for more than ever is, you know, God, if you spoke courage and strength over Joshua. Please give it to me um, in these last days because I really believe we're coming into them. I've never seen um, Christianity opposed um, like it is uh, on the news today. Well, the good news is is that the church flourishes um, when the oppression, when the opposition is the greatest, the church flourishes. And I had somebody ask me this the other day, what will happen if, you know, um, the, the 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 worst hits and the church is opposed greatly. I said, well, then the church goes underground, I guess, doesn't it? And I said, the good news is that the church flourishes underground. Um, you know, the the early church flourished underground. Uh, the, I've heard estimates that the church in Ephesus under Pastor Timothy, young Pastor Timothy, could have been in six figures, like hundred thousand people. Can you imagine pastoring an underground church? with an emperor like Domitian and Nero and, you know, the, the, these crazed demonic madmen um, at the helm, and yet the churches grew and they flourished. I believe the thing that encourages me most is that I believe you're going to see the genuine church, the real church, rise up, that they're going to realize that, man, we're attending because this is valuable to us. I believe that the church is essential today. The local church is needed and necessary today. Um, and I'm encouraging you know, congregants to know that the answer is not home groups. I think home home groups can play a large part in a church's growth, but man, assemble. I was told um, by my pastor that I, um, that I came to Christ under, he's in his 70s now, and uh, he told me um, in the midst of this pandemic, as all the pastors were praying about what to do, what do we, what do we do? Nobody's denying the reality of it and how real it is. Um, he said, John, the church has to assemble. It must assemble. And, uh, you know, I was being called courageous when we opened our church doors back up in June. I'm thinking, courageous? I, I'm just trying to be obedient. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that this was a courage thing. I thought this was an obedience thing. So um, the challenges before um, pastors, I think, are, are going to only increase. But then that'll make the calling that much more genuine. You know, God counsels us to buy gold refined in the fire. I think there's a purifying and a refining going on. And uh, I believe the church's best days are yet ahead. 
at the darkest of times, always church always seems to shine best and brightest. Um, so Isaiah 60, you know, arise, shine, for your light has come, and behold, deep darkness covers the earth. Um, so I, I believe it's going to be some of the greatest days ahead. So. Thank you for listening to our interview with Pastor John Perminsky of Restore Church in Ionia, Michigan. A little delayed because of bad weather last week, uh, but here it is on Tuesday. Before we close, just want to do a brief little plug again. If your church, for whatever reason, missed Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, February 14th, Sunday, that's Valentine's Day, is an opportunity for you to show love for the unborn child. Uh, you can go to our website, rtl.org and all of our Sanctity of Human Life Sunday resources are up there. Uh, the page for that is just rtl.org slash s-o-h-l-s that's rtl.org slash souls enjoy the rest of your week and join us again on Friday for our next regular episode of Lifebeat.